Well, we want to be people who make a difference in our culture. In fact, we're in this series of messages called Culture Shift. And we know that we're in a culture that needs to shift because there's so much negativity around us. We get that. And we need to bring some positivity into our society. Where does negativity come from? Well, it comes from how it is that we see life. We know that there can be healthy things that happen within a culture, and it happens when we're doing good things for other people to invest into their lives to help them improve. We put them before ourselves. We want to serve them. That's a healthy culture. It becomes unhealthy when we begin to care more for ourselves and other people. And instead of investing in others, it's only about what we do for ourselves. And in fact, it has a negative effect of people around us. And we begin to put people down, and instead of love being spread from person to person, hate begins to be spread from person to person. We should want to be in a culture of love and not in a culture of hate, and that is the problem. The problem is hate seems to be overcoming love within our world. We need to look at ourselves and understand that this is a problem, and to ask ourselves, am I part of the solution or am I part of the problem? Am I a person who can overcome this hatred in this world by showing love that is greater than hate? Or am I a person who actually is adding to the problem because I've been self-centered in how it is that I've been living, which has caused problems in my relationships and in the communities in which I'm in? Which am I? Well, how do we handle this? We become problem solvers. And that's what I want to talk to you about today. To be problem solvers. And we're going to learn today some specific problems that are in our world that we need to confront and how it is that we can do this in order to bring this positive change and shift within our culture. You know, some people look at the word problem, don't really like the word problem. They'd really, they'd rather call it a challenge or call it something else. And I love the word challenge as well. However, I love the word problem. And the reason why I love that is because problems are meant to be solved. There's an answer to it. And that's what's so critical for us is to figure out what is the answer. What is the right answer that we need to be able to combat these issues that we're going through in our world? One of the other ways in which we look at problems is people call them trials. In fact, the Bible calls it that. These are pressures that come against us that are bigger than us, and they seem to overcome us and overtake us, and we feel like we've lost control because of this, and we have to face these trials. Now, the good thing about facing these trials, facing these problems is they actually can help our lives be better. They can help us grow and become stronger when we face them head on and face them in the right way. But the other issue about this is when problems come, problems can be a positive, a positive time in our life because if we can solve the problem, we can bring a positive change within our society. But we have to know the right answer. If we're believers, I just want to help you understand something. We have the right answer. We have the right answers that the world needs when it comes to love, a love that is so much more powerful than hatred. But we have to be people who reveal the right answer to people around us. So how do we handle this? How do we deal it when these trials, these challenges, these problems come into our life? 
Well, I want to teach you about that today, and we're going to do it by looking at what James said about it in James chapter 1. And I want to begin reading to you in verse 2. The Bible says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. I'll just stop there and say, I don't know that I've made it to the joy part yet. What about you? That's a tough one, right? Joy every time we have trials? Let me start again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So what do we learn from the scripture? First thing that we learn is this, that we all face challenges. So number one on your outline sheet, I want you to write this down. We will face challenges. Do I have a witness out there from anyone, right? I mean, we all face difficulties in life. They're going to happen. In fact, the scripture tells us that they come in many different forms. Look again, it says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. So there are many different types of trials that we'll face. There might be financial trials. There might be health issues. There are a lot of different things that we can look at. However, there are some trials that we face because of the, boneheaded, the boneheadedness of humanity. Because of the really bad decisions that other people make that have a negative consequence on other people. And sometimes we're the recipients of that negative consequence. It's a trial. It's a challenge. It's a problem. Sometimes we're the people who are causing trials for other people because of our own behaviors. But we know that we as people are causing many of the problems that we experience in our world. So how is it that we face challenges when they come? Well, let's learn about this. First of all, we need to know something about these trials, these challenges. Our challenges are a test for us. They are a test and they test something very specific. They test our faith. It's a faith test. This problem, this trial, again, is testing whether or not we put our trust in the right person. Am I putting my faith in God as I face this trial or am I not placing my faith in God? In fact, because of the trial, has it pushed me away from God and now I'm trying to handle these things on my own and I'm placing faith in myself or Am I placing my faith in someone else who's telling me that they have the answer to my problem, even though the answer that they're giving me is not the right answer? But I shifted my trust away from what God says and God's people say to what someone else says or whatever it is that I'm telling myself. It's a faith challenge. It's testing my faith. Now, this is what Satan wants to do. Satan wants to use trials to push us away from God, to influence us away from God, to say we don't need God, that we are self-sufficient, or that someone else is someone that we can trust in other than God. That's what Satan is trying to do through trials. That's his strategy. Trials are a faith strategy for Satan. He's trying to, to, to misplace our trust away from God. 
God's strategy is completely different. Satan's is to push us away from God. God's strategy is for us to trust in him more. That we see and understand that it's because I face trial, it's another reason why I need God. Because God knows more than anyone else. Y'all, it really is, honestly, it's crazy that we would place our faith and trust in anyone other than God. And let me tell you why. We have limited knowledge. We have limited information. God knows the past, the present, and the future. All I know is the past and the present. And for some reason, I think that's enough for me to make really great faithful decisions and putting trust in myself. Y'all, that's kind of dumb, isn't it? I mean, think about it. I mean, if you're looking for somebody to give you an answer, wouldn't you want somebody to give you the answer who has more information to give you the right answer? I mean, it, it makes sense to us that we would do that. But yet we don't do that. That's how cunning and sly Satan is to help us think that we don't need him. Yet God wants us to trust in him more and more and more. So I want you to think about it. We're problem solvers. Well, what's the first problem? It's a faith problem. Where am I placing my faith? What's the right answer? The right answer is to place my faith in God. But am I doing that? Well, here's the cool thing. If I do place my faith in God, something really amazing can happen. Look at the next statement. Our challenges are strength builders. I can become even stronger than I am now. Where Satan uses things to make me weak, right? God uses challenges, problems, trials to build me and to make me someone who can face these issues and difficulties within my life with strength. I want you to think about it uh, this way, that, that trials are like weights that are pushed down on us. I mentioned to you, I think it was last week, that uh, I played high school athletics. I played uh, high school football, which again is a shock to most people. And then I explained to them again, like I did last week, what it looked like for me. I was third string, ninth grade. There's no lower place in high school athletics than me. Okay, I mean, that's, what, that's how far I achieved things in high school athletics. One year and I was done, okay? There's no way I did this. But one of the things that we were required to do is we were required to go into the weight room and do weight training, right? We lift weights. And some of those dudes, man, you can understand why I was third string after watching some of these guys. I mean, just pumping this iron. It was just incredible. Well, it would come my turn. And there were several times where they would put the weights on and I couldn't get it off of me. Do I have a witness out there from anybody, all right? Anybody ever experienced that? It's so heavy, I can't get it off of me. So uh, they have somebody, they're called spotters. Y'all know what those are, spotter is somebody who comes and helps you get the weight off you. Now, a good spotter, this is what a good spotter will do. A good spotter will tell you to push. And while you push, they're lifting up. So it's both of you that's helping to relieve the weight to put it back up on the bar so that you're safe. Okay. This is awesome because Satan is wanting to put as many weights as he possibly can on the bar to cause us to feel crushed and to cause us to feel like we can't breathe. And the way we feel many times when we have trials, I'm crushed, I can't breathe. You know, if, if he can do that, this is what happens. If we're crushed, if we can't breathe, it takes breath to speak, doesn't it? So if he can keep us from breathing, he'll keep us from saying anything about God because the weight of the world is on us. It takes our breath away. 
Because we're not thinking about God, we're just thinking about the trials. But praise God, y'all, I'm about to get excited about this. We have a spotter. Amen? It's God. He is right there. And he's not just saying, let me just take it off of you. He's saying, push, Tim. Push. I'm going to help you as you push, and I'm going to lead you to safety. And when I'm pushing, I become stronger. And here's the reason why. I'm relying on God, the spotter, to help me. Now, this is a really awesome thing because the next time more trials can come, I still need God. He's my spotter. But this time I'm even stronger than I was before because God is lifting and helping me to overcome this so that I can lift it. This is a great thing. When I'm not crushed and I don't lose my breath, I can use my mouth to tell people how great the God is who's helping me get through life. Right? And that's what I'm supposed to be doing. Why can I do that? Because it, I, I answered the problem the right way. Remember, it's a faith problem. And I said yes to God, who is the right answer to the things that come in my life. Now, here's the thing that's happening to us. Y'all, people in the world are trying to put pressure on us to silence our message. Y'all have figured that out, right? People don't like what we say about God. And the reason why people don't like what we say about God is because they hear some things that we say about God and the lifestyle that God wants us to have about being selfless and serving other people and doing things that we should do for, to protect our, our health and what God created in us. And they don't like those answers because those things go against the lifestyle that they wanna live and they wanna live that lifestyle and feel okay about living that lifestyle even though it's not good for them. So what do they do? They try to silence us. So how do they silence us? They cause us to experience trials and push down on us with hatred. And that hatred is so strong toward people who have a message, it almost seems like we can't breathe. Doesn't it feel that way? They're working so hard against us to try to keep us from speaking. But here's the reality of it. I need God's love as the spotter to help me face the hatred that they bring against me. Y'all, I'm about to get excited about this. You mean to tell you how it works? They're pushing hate down on me. And with God's help, I can combat their hate with God's love. You can do everything you want to, to try to silence my message or make me feel like I'm doing something wrong, but here's the deal. I'm gonna serve you in the midst of your hatred that you're throwing at me. Because with God's love, I can face anything that comes my way. But with God's love, I can reveal to you the thing that is the right answer. Did you know the only way they're gonna change their heart it's through love. I mean, they're not going to change their heart if we get irritated and say terrible things about them because they're saying bad things about us. And then we're in just big cosmic, or this big war of the people of the world say this, the Christians say this, and bam, 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 we're saying terrible things about each other. That was never the intent. Jesus didn't come to say bad things about people. Jesus came to help people who were in need and it changed people's hearts. Did it not? 
I need the power. Y'all, I'm just telling you right now, I need the power of God in my life to keep me from telling people off. Do I have a witness out there from anybody? Do y'all have that? I need that power of God in my life. Because you know, the second I tell them off, you know who I'm trusting in? Me. Do you know why I'm responding that way? Because I feel like they've attacked me. Y'all, they're not attacking me. They're attacking the God who created me. And all God wants me to do is to help that person know that no matter how hateful they are, he still loves them. That's powerful stuff right there. You know what happens when we do this? We become something. It's called mature. Y'all got sinus problems? That's my, y'all hear it? I like it because it makes me have a deeper voice and I sound more like a preacher. That's why I like it when it happens this way. So anyway, uh, here's the third thing. Our challengers, our tests, our challengers, strength builders, our challengers mature us. They make us mature. The scripture actually just talked about uh, us being mature. The word mature means to be complete. It means, uh, it means to be a person who can persevere. I'm mature when I can persevere. In fact, he used the word persevere in the scripture. So that means this, no matter what comes my way, I am complete. I completely trust in God. And because I completely trust in God, I will persevere no matter where you put the weight in my life. I mean, there are many different areas of our life that there can be weight put on. My physical life, God's big enough to help me deal with any physical challenge. It might ultimately lead me to be in heaven with him, but y'all, that's a pretty good place to wind up. Don't you think? God can help me in my relationship issues. That's weight. Do I trust in God in my relationships? Do I trust in God in my personal relationships with, you know, other, other people? It just goes on and on. I need to be complete and be persevering in each area of my life. So what does all this mean? It means this, I need to be listening to the right person. Number two on your outline sheet, we need wisdom. We're just gonna make it through number two today. We need wisdom. We see in the scripture where it talks about this wisdom. Again, we find it in James chapter two, verse five. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. So it's telling us that we need to ask for this wisdom. What does wisdom mean? Let's look at a definition of the word uh, wisdom. Wisdom means knowledge of what is true or right coupled with just judgment as to action, discernment, or insight. What does that mean? When I know what is true and what is right, I can use that knowledge to make a judgment about what I should do. I make a judgment because I know what is true and right. I use that knowledge to make a judgment in my actions, the right thing I need to do. I can use that information to discern whether or not I'm a part of the problem or I'm a part of the solution. I have insight into who I am. That's what the definition means. So let's break it down because it has a lot to do with us who we are spiritually. The first part of that definition says this, we need to know what is true. So what is the truth? What principles are we going to live by? I've been talking about this several weeks during this series, but I'm just going to get back to it again uh, here today because we've been talking about a principle that we're, we're to follow, one that Jesus gave us, and I've been calling it this. It's called the true principle. Here's how we are truly to live our life. The true principle, it's there on your sheet, is to treat others the way uh, we want to be treated. Jesus said that. Um, very, very thing. This is instruction that Jesus gave, right? That 
we're to respond to people in the way that, that we know we would want people to respond to us in. That's what Jesus said. That's the right thing to do. And y'all, we all know we should do this. We all know that we should treat people this way. Every one of us know this. And let me tell you how I know this. Because when people don't treat us the way we want to be treated, we complain about them, don't we? We criticize those people who don't treat us the way we want to be treated. That's evidence in itself that we know the right way in which we're supposed to be living. The problem is we never criticize ourselves. We don't criticize ourselves when we treat other people the way we wouldn't want to be treated. We don't do that. Why is that? Because we justify our behavior because we're not living according to the true principle. We justify our behavior because we're living by a different principle. It's the false principle. Again, we've learned this. It's to get as much or more than everyone else. I need to get as much as you do or more than you. I need to be as good as you or better than you. So what happens? Life becomes a competition. So instead of my life being about treating other people the way I want to be treated, to be kind, all these different things, my life becomes a competition. This is a problem. Okay, let's... We've already heard one problem, it's the faith problem. Now we have a second problem, it's a competition problem. Because now I'm measuring my worth and my value, not according to who God created me to be, I'm measuring my worth and my value according to who you are. If I'm as good as you or better than you, then I feel valuable. So my whole life is about winning. I've either got a tie or I've got a win. That's what it is. And I have a problem if I'm not tying or winning. In fact, if you are causing me a problem that's keeping me from getting what I want or being as good as I want to be, you're causing me the problem. And you know what? We have the audacity to say, you're causing problems for me. You're causing trials in my life. They would even call it a trial. They would call what they're doing a trial. Y'all, it's not a trial. This is self-inflicted pain. That's what it is because you're living for the wrong thing. That's what the problem is. So here's the deal. If I'm living for competition to be as good or better or get as much or more than other people, then I justify in my action how it is that I treat other people because I need to treat them that way to achieve my goal and my purpose. That leads to the second part of this, right? Not only do we need to know what is true, treat other people the way we want to be treated, not the other. We need to know what is right. This is the cool thing about these two principles. There are behaviors that are associated with the principles. We've learned about this uh, as well, but I'm kind of bringing some things together that we've learned in the past, right? So what we learned from the definition of the word wisdom is that we know what is true and right, and we make judgments according to our actions, our actions, our behaviors. In other words, we know the right thing to do. Let's look at that first principle again, the true principle, and let's put some behaviors with it, to treat others the way we want to be treated. This is how I behave. I help people. I don't hurt people. So everything that I do is to help you improve, to help you live up to who God created you to be. I don't do anything to stand in the way that would keep you from experiencing that or to make you feel pain in your life. I don't do that because I wouldn't want you to do that for me. This comes from a feeling that we have. And this is the feeling. It's the feeling of humility. And in humility, I put you before myself. 
When it comes down to it and I have to choose to either protect you or protect myself, I'm gonna protect you before I protect myself. In other words, I love you in this moment more than I love me. I'm willing to do that for you. I'm willing to sacrifice myself for your benefit. That's my behavior. That's where it comes from. It comes out of a feeling that I have for you. Well, let's look at the behaviors associated with the false principle to get as much or more than everyone else. I manipulate people. I use people to get what I want. Or I harm people. If they're getting in the way of me getting what I want, I'm going to do things to destroy them or to hurt them so that I can get what I want. That also comes from a feeling. It's the feeling that I have about them and myself. I have pride. In humility, I put you before myself. I love you more than I love me. In pride, I put myself before you. I love me more than I love you. Now we see a third problem. There's the faith problem. There's the competition problem. And now we see the love problem. The problem is who I love more. If I love you more than I love me, I'm going to do the right thing. If I love me more than I love you, I'm going to do the wrong thing. And it's going to cause negativity within the culture. It's all because of how we feel about other people. It's how much we love other people. So what does that look like? When we are humble, it changes everything. It can help us shift the culture. I love what Paul said about this in the book of Ephesians. It says this, as a prisoner of the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So you've been called to do these things. Be completely, what's the next word? Be completely humble. So in every area of your life, put other people before yourself. Not partially humble. Com every area of your life, put other people before yourself. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Because I want you to see the progression that happens. We're called to be completely humble. Put other people before ourselves in all situations. When we are humble, this is what the scripture said. When we are humble, we are gentle. Notice we treat people in a way that we don't want to hurt them or break them. When we are humble, we are gentle. When we are gentle, we are patient. When I'm patient, I'm making sure that I don't respond to you in a negative way, even though you might be doing negative things toward me. I am patient. We are humble, gentle, and patient because we love. So if I love someone more than I love myself, if I'm humble, I'm always going to be gentle. I'm always going to be patient, which means I'm always going to be somebody who helps and never does anything that harms. That's what it means. Well, let's flip it. If we did the reverse of this and put the pride part in it, when we're prideful, we're harsh. In humility, we're gentle. In pride, we're harsh. In other words, we do things that can cause damage to other people. When we're prideful, we're harsh. When we're harsh, we're impatient. Not patient, but impatient. And in impatience, in irritation, I will say things back to you that are harmful and hurtful to you because I'm impatient and irritated with you. Or I may actually do something to harm you because I'm irritated with you. Do I have a witness out there from anyone? I struggle with irritation. It's a very selfish thing. Why am I irritated? It's because they're causing me problems. 
That's, that's the problem. It's really easy to find myself in this way. Where does all this come from? All right. When we're harsh, we're impatient. Let's follow the whole progression. We are prideful, harsh, and impatient because we don't love. We're humble, gentle, and patient because we love. We're prideful, harsh, and impatient because we don't love. That's the problem. The problem is who I love. It's not just a faith problem. It's not just a competition problem. The problem is how I feel about other people and me putting myself before other people. Hence, a life that destroys a culture. I mean, think about a culture where nobody is putting their faith in God, where we see a culture where we're competing with each other to see who can be better than everybody else and a culture that loves themselves more than other people. Where would that be? I would say the United States of America. Doesn't that sound like the culture that we live in? So how does it change? We have the answer, don't we? Our faith must always be in God, no matter how much trust we have. He is there as our spotter to help us. We're not going to live in competition to get as much or more than everybody else because God created me the way he did for his purposes to achieve whatever it is he led me to achieve. And I'm going to love you no matter what you do to me because God loved me even though I did bad things to him. And all of us can say that very thing. We're all sinners saved by grace. Amen. So we need to be gracious and merciful people. That's how you solve a problem. Let's go through it. We're to practice discernment. I need to look at myself and say, is this me? It's what discernment is. I have a way to measure who I am. This is how we solve a problem. Let's go through it. I have to know the challenge, whatever the problem is. I need to know the truth. And let me explain to you the truth again, just so we know clearly what the truth is. The truth is, I need God's help. The other truth is, I need to help. I want you to hear that. The truth is, I need God's help to live my life. And the truth is, I need to help other people as they live their lives. That's the truth. That's why I would treat other people the way I want to be treated. Here's the, the third part of that, or the next part of that. It's to know the right thing to do. It's to help us live by the truth. The right thing to do is to make sure that we're living by what we know, that we're placing faith in God, that we're not living competitively, and that we're living to love other people. And then here's the, the last part of this. It's to do the right thing. Here, here's, what, here's what I know. A lot of people know the truth. They know the right thing to do. I mean, they, they know the challenge. They know the, the, the truth about the challenge. They know the right thing they're supposed to do, that they get it. They know what they're supposed to do. They just don't do it. Again, let me preach to myself. I mean, how many times have I looked at myself and have known the exact right thing that I should do and chose not to do it? There's so many times. Would you like some examples? It's none of your business. I'm not telling you that kind of stuff, all right? But there have been times that I've done that in my life, and you probably have many times where you could say the same thing. Here's what happens to us. 
we get a label. So I want you to think about, in discernment, I want you to think about which of these labels describes you the most. We read a scripture. It's found in Proverbs 1, verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. I can either be a fool, knowing the right thing to do, but choosing not to do it, that's foolishness, or I can be wise, knowing the right thing to do and doing it. Being a fool, knowing the right thing to do and choosing not to do it, changes the culture negatively. Y'all, the people in our world know the right thing to do. We're just not choosing to do it. To change the culture in the positive way is to know the right thing to do and do it. I've got, I, I really believe the commitment today for us is to do the right thing. We have the answers to the problem. We just haven't been living by the answers to the problem. But when we do, everything changes. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes right now. As you look at yourself, are you part of the problem? Or are you part of the solution? That's how I started it today. I believe God is helping us to see, am I placing my faith in God or am I trusting in my own ability or what other people who are telling me to do that lead me not to trust in God? Am I, look, am I living my life as a competition to get as much or more or to be as good or better than everybody else around me? Or am I celebrating the fact that God created me to be who he created me to be and to live out my potential, whatever that is? Do I love myself more than other people? Which is evidence that I do that through my own irritation and impatience with other people at times. Or do I love other people more than I love myself? That no matter what they do, I'm willing to show love to them. They're pushing hatred down on me to try to crush me and take my breath away. But with the help of God and his spirit and his love, I'm pushing up against their hatred to show my gentleness and patience to help them see God is the answer. So who are you? We know who we should be. Let's commit to be the right person today. It might be that you're not a Christian today. that You've never given your life to God. You've been looking for answers to your problems and the problem is you're not happy and don't have joy in life. This is really cool because the Bible just told us we, as believers, we can experience joy even though we go through trials. It's like, man, that's the kind of life that I need. We find it in a relationship with God who sent his son Jesus, the savior of this world, to live on this earth, to serve people who hated him, to help people who were in need and to die on the cross so that we could be forgiven of our sins. That's what Jesus did for us. Jesus didn't look at his life as a competition with God. In fact, in another scripture, the Bible talks about that Jesus humbled himself onto the cross. It said this, that he did not see equality with God as something to be grasped. He instead humbled himself to be obedient on that cross, to die on the cross for our sins, to put us before himself, to give it all up for our good. Jesus did that for you. And it's when we accept what he did, taking the punishment for our sins, that we're forgiven. The Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, we'll be saved. If we pray to God, something as simple as this, and I would encourage you to pray something like this. You can do it even right now. You just pray, dear God, 
I know you love me and I don't deserve it. You sent your son Jesus to die on the cross for my punishment of sin. Thank you for showing that love to me. And I accept the gift of Jesus right now. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection and help me to live for you as I live like you. If you pray that and mean it with your heart, God hears this and says yes. Back in the back to my right, your left, there's a single door with a glass window. Somebody's back there already who'd love to talk with you and help you and encourage you. If you have questions about becoming a Christian or being a part of our ministry or being baptized, whatever it is, that's a great place to go today. It may be today that you're a Christian, but the truth is you're part of the problem and not the solution. As I pray, I wanna encourage you to do the same thing right now. Father, thank you for teaching us. Thank you for helping us see the, the problems of faith and competition and love. And I pray, God, that we begin living by the answer. God, when we've been putting our trust in our own ability rather than trusting in you, I pray, God, that we would change and begin trusting in you. God, you've revealed it to us just through our, our anger, our irritation, our depression, our discouragement in life. It's just evidence, God, that we've been trusting in ourselves. God, I pray that we would trust in you. God. I pray that we would stop looking at other people to find our value in them. I pray, God, that we would find our value in the fact that you love us even though we're imperfect. And God, I pray that we would be people who start putting other people before ourselves. And may our show of love silence people's effort of hate. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's get